Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance, defining happiness and success, and of course, coronavirus, which is what we're going to be talking about on this episode. Uh, my name is Graham Alcott. I'm your host for the show. And this week I'm talking to Alison Grade. Alison is the author of a new book called The Freelance Bible. And we're going to be talking particularly about freelancing, what happens now, what we should be doing with a particular UK perspective, but I hope it's useful for wherever you are around the world. If you're a freelancer, if you're thinking about or being forced into the idea of thinking about being a freelancer when this is all over. So we have quite a wide ranging discussion. We talk a lot about money and the government's response to it and why, you know, there is real strength in numbers in this current situation. We talk a bit about how to help define your skills, the different hats that you need to wear when you're freelancing and just generally our experiences of what's happening right now. So we're rushing this one out. It was recorded on Tuesday, the 24th of March. We're going to be putting this out on the Thursday this week. So it's going out pretty quickly. We're aware that some of it may, even by the time it goes out, may well be out of date. But uh, let's get straight into it. Here's my conversation with Alison Grade. I'm here with Alison Grade. How are you doing? I'm good, Graham. Lovely to lovely to see you over Zoom. Yeah, and we we were planning on doing um, a podcast to talk really generally about freelancing and your book, The Freelance Bible. We're on we're visual yep. here now, so I can actually do this. <laughs> uh, yes, I've got one over there. You've got one there. Um, and then this whole coronavirus clusterfuck thing has happened. Um, so we're going to change tack a little bit. Um, so this is going to be Beyond Busy, my normal podcast, but it's going to be we're going to put it out probably on YouTube as well. And often what happens is I do a podcast and then it goes in the queue and then it doesn't come out for uh, a period of time. But it feels like we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, sort of late morning, and the plan is to get this out on Thursday and knowing that half of it will probably already be out of date by the time we do it on Thursday. Uh, but let's start with, before we get into the book and stuff that I think will really help uh, people who are either current freelancers or thinking about in the future becoming freelancers, um, should we just start with um, Corona and you and um, like, yeah, what's been your experience so far and how is it affecting you and just generally, where do we find you as we record this, like in terms of your own state of mind and situation around it? Um, so situation wise, um, this is always a time of year when things wind down for me because I get a lot of a lot of the training work and workshops that I do. Um, we're coming up to financial year end. So a lot of my projects are wrapping. So that's that's kind of a bit business as usual, tidying things up. Obviously, added into that was the publication of the book and We've looked with that has changed dramatically um, because my original plan, you publish a book, you go do loads of talks, you meet people, you do signings, you do workshops. And particularly with the freelance Bible, a lot of it was also about engagement in education. So universities and FE. So all of that stuff, that's just gone. Um, but that also, you know, that sent me into a bit of a downward, like, okay, I've just published a book. It's been this really big thing in my life for three years and now it's dead in the water. 
And I think that's a really natural reaction. But as I'm starting to regroup, what I'm seeing is that actually has value in different places and at different times. And this wasn't just a project that was, okay, it's publication day, it's out there, it's done and move on to the next thing. It's actually about this is a book that will be on the shelves for 10 years. So actually, this is a hiccup at the start, but actually, the conversation is changing. And, you know, you must have seen in the press, there's lots and lots of campaigning and lobbying about getting the self-employed represented. And, you know, it's Tuesday. At the moment, we're in a position where we don't know if the government is going to support the self-employed and freelancers in the same way as employees and businesses are being supported. We're optimistic. There's been lots of stuff um, being pushed to them. I've been doing my bit. And hopefully by the time this actually gets gets launched on Thursday, we'll have some good news. So, you know, things are moving quickly and it's about being flexible, being adaptable and finding the right opportunity yeah. to, to, to move things forward. Yeah. So let's talk a bit more about the money stuff and the government stuff um, later as well. Because um, obviously I, I put this out just a few... Uh, friends of mine and various groups that I'm in where I, I knew there'd be a few freelancers just with like two hours notice. And I was amazed at the amount of questions that I was getting back. And I'd said, Hey, I'm interviewing Alison. She's the author of the freelance Bible. And I think people read into that. She must know the government or be the government or something. <laughs> so like, so there might be questions where it's like, what are the government doing about this? And actually, you know, we don't know, but maybe we can help articulate where we think it might go or what we think we need and stuff like that but yeah what's your what's your personal reflection on it and um yeah like how like how are you feeling about it i think it's it's a real roller coaster of highs and lows at the moment um um i think that i've had a lot there's been a lot of anxiety around in terms of what might be about to happen so in some ways when 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 boris johnson announced last night we were going into lockdown and these are the rules it was almost a relief because actually you just kind of know where you stand now for me i i kind of felt felt a sense of relief like was i allowed to do this was i not allowed to do this it's like no there's no more childcare. like yesterday i had childcare, and she took them to the park and made them stay two meters away i'm like no there's no childcare. there's no you know i'm i'm lucky enough to have like a cleaner who comes in once a week there's none of that you know, it's just like we are just locked up here and we just need to get on with it. And and in some ways, I think for me, that's kind of a relief to be in that period. I think that that sense of very uncertainty, you don't know what the decision is, you don't know how it's going to change. Even though it's not a nice place to be, certainty is much easier to deal with than uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it's a really good point, actually. And, you know, whilst restriction isn't a good thing and you know, the possibility of illness or knowing friends that are ill and, you know, I've got all of that. But it's also, yeah, that sense of just, I want the clarity and the certainty of if it's going to be, we're all locked up for a period of time, then let's let's know. And when is that going to be? And how long is that going to be? Like, it, it kind of makes it way more bearable, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I liken it to, you know, if you think you're ill and you're waiting for a diagnosis, that your brain just goes goes into meltdown I mean, yeah. we, we went through that 10 years ago when my husband had a cancer diagnosis and that moment whilst you're waiting going, what could it be what does that mean that's worse than actually going no this is what it is this is the treatment we're going to sort it out it's like once you've been told what's going on and yeah. what they're going to do and someone's taking charge and tell you if you do this it will all be fine and that's kind of if you stay at home and do your bit then 
let everybody else do their bit. And so for me, I take that really seriously. It's like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're going to stay at home and we're going to do that and we're going to do it properly and we're going to be fair to everybody else. And we, we have to find our own ways of dealing with that within the house. So, you know, my husband and I are a tag team between like who's on duty. I'm obviously not on duty at the moment. He's yeah. on duty. Uh, when we finish recording this, it'll be my turn to go back on duty. You know, we'll go out, we'll go for a bike ride. We'll come back. We'll do some school type things. We'll do something educational. But for me, it's also, I'm always looking to to sort of be innovative in how I approach things, if you like. So it's okay. So I can't be the teacher. I can't do the schoolwork, but actually I can teach my kids life skills that I wouldn't usually have time to think about. So actually we're going to get engaged in the cooking. We're going to get engaged in organizing things in the house. And it's not going to be me and my husband waiting on them, hand, foot and finger while they're sitting on their iPads playing games. You know, they're going to become part yeah. of running the yeah. household and we're going to be in it together as a team. And I think that is a really unusual opportunity. So we're just trying to work out how we embrace that and manage that going forwards. And you're based in, you're in Moseley in Birmingham, right? Yeah. Which is a part of the world I know very well, used to live there, love it. Um, and just before we press record, you were saying a lot of stuff is happening there around sort of community organizing and stuff like that. So what what are you seeing that you're particularly pleased to see or, you know, delighted is happening? Like, are there some some rays of sunshine and positives that you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got some really active Facebook groups up here that have been active already, but actually people are really looking to show their support. I'm in a WhatsApp group that's just pinging constantly. Who needs help? Who can do this? How can I help? So it's just starting to connect people up and join the dots up, you know, and I'm part of more a virtual environment. I know that other friends in other parts of the country, literally someone's gone and knocked on every door and they're putting like green and red cards in the window to like, I'm fine, I'm not fine, I need some help. And so there's there's different strategies. Wow. That's cool. Um, yeah. Love it. Um, let's talk about freelancing then. And um, yes. so it it feels like, I mean, I would say it feels like the government have been in some ways like quite slow with it, with a few things. If you, if you, if you look at what the budget looked like a couple of weeks ago, it now just looks like just a ludicrously pathetic response. Um, and obviously the, you know, the world's just moving so quickly that with the benefit of hindsight, it looks like that. And at the time it probably felt appropriate. And then it's like, you know, they bring out stuff around paying wages for employees, but saying we're paying wages for employees if you've already sent them home or you need to send them home and there's no work for three months. And it's like, there's loads of people like me who are trying to keep people on and we're still busy trying to do stuff and trying to keep money coming in, but really without much money coming in. Um, So it feels like in every sense, everything that they try and do is always going to be a blunt instrument. But one of the big, I guess one of the big gaps is, yeah, people who are either freelance or gig economy, zero hours contracts. There's so many people who are not in that very stable, salaried, mortgaged uh, kind of lifestyle. You know, they're renting, you know, uh, they're they're paid fortnightly rather than monthly. All these different things are on contracts and on, um, you know, lump sums here and there. And so it's really difficult, I guess, for the government to do things, but it, it does feel like freelancers have been quite a neglected 
they're a very large neglected group, right? Yeah. So when you look at the stats, you're looking at 15% of the workforce. It's about 5 million people are self-employed. So it's a pretty big chunk. Um, you know, can can they do more at the moment? It's sort of £94 a week. It's not it, it's not related to your earnings. Um, I think this week will be the defining moment for the freelancers. You know, I completely respect the fact that government is completely overloaded and they need to put out some big wins quickly. And we're always a tricky bunch to deal with because the way we pay our taxes, the way we operate is outside of the norm. And, you know, um, it's sort of it, it's all part of the story about how I came to write the book because I actually there's so many things that people focus around businesses and starting businesses and getting jobs and being employees that this bit down the middle which is this freelance self-employed bit kind of often falls through the cracks so you know whilst have they done enough yet absolutely not what we have got is um, amendments to the coronavirus bill going through that are absolutely asking for a parity with the PAYE workers. So 80% of average net earnings from your tax return over the last three years, um, up to a cap of, I think it's around the two and a half, two nine. It's that kind of level per month. So absolutely asking for parity. Evidence has been called for for the Treasury Select Committee that was called for by five o'clock yesterday. There's Treasury Select Committee meetings on Wednesday. So I think that we have to make our case, but understand that government has an awful lot to do at the moment. And we're 15%, so they're getting to us. And I think there's been a lot of noise. So um, I'm confident that something will get more than that. And it's just really... It's, it's, it's unprecedented times. As you know what it's like as a freelancer, we're expected to plan for the unexpected, just like any employee is. If your boiler breaks down, you're expected to pay for that. The unexpected costs. But, you know, we can't be expected to plan for the unthinkable. And I think that's my point. We can't be expected to plan for the unthinkable. And what government has shown is that they're prepared to support businesses and employees with supporting the unthinkable. So I think they have to do the same for the self-employed. But I think we just have to bear with a little bit whilst they get through their to-do list. I agree with you. And I think the um, the sort of analogy that I would draw around this is like, if you think about, like, if, if you think about the fact that when something really big hits and the last one of these probably in terms of the financial shock was 2008, right? The financial crisis. And it's like we spent, we've spent all of the time really since then with this government narrative of um, we don't have the money, we've got to live within our, within our means or whatever. But whenever there's something as big as this, there's money. They find money. And you know, ultimately, what's more important to any government of any color is keeping the economic show on the road longer term, right? And so anyone who is caught up in that, I just, I just think, I just think that there has to be help there because it's in the interest of government to spend that money now rather than have to spend it eighty times, um, you know, in the next few years, right? So I, I, ju- I just feel like the, there's a real strength in numbers here, and the fact that everyone is in it together, um, I think will, it, for me, it's just an inevitability that something's going to come down the track in, in the way that you suggest, and th- and there's no way that they'd be doing those kind of 
uh, evidences to the select committee and and bringing all that stuff together if they weren't planning something, right? Absolutely. And I think I think the other thing is it's important to understand the type of work that the freelancers and the self-employed do. And in the main, we are highly skilled workers. We have highly skilled and we add huge value to the economy. I think Ipsy's latest stats are 305 billion we add to the economy as a whole across the self-employed. But a lot of the reason that people like myself are self-employed is because of these specialist skills that we have. And most companies don't want to take someone on with high-level skills over the long period of time because they only need them for short periods. So it works in everybody's interest to have these freelancers who deploy the same set of high, high skills across different customers over a regular period of time because they add to the business, they increase turnover, they increase sales, they do whatever they do to develop that business but actually the business doesn't need their skills full time. And you have to recognize that you can't have it both ways. If you want highly skilled people in your business or even in your house, you know, all of those plumbers, the decorators, all of the people that help you make your life easy and sort things out for you, they're often those freelancers. So, you know, highly skilled people are doing what they do in the way that, the economy has always asked us to do it because they don't want us there all of the time. So they have to respect that coming back. And I think what's unprecedented about this, and you know, I hear what you're saying about 2008, but the sector that I know incredibly well is the film and TV, the screen sector. Yeah. And what you've seen running up to pre-COVID-19 is unprecedented levels of investment in the sector globally. In and in the UK, you know, you've got Netflix with a budget of something like eight billion a year to spend on content. Wow. To put that in perspective, Channel 4's budget is somewhere in the region of five hundred million a year. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. there unprecedented levels of investment in content creation. So you've got this huge curve going upwards of endless people, skill shortages, all of this. And overnight, that has gone into hibernation. Every set is dark. You know, EastEnders is dark. Casualties dark. Peaky Blinders is dark. You know, every single set, every single person I know has stopped working who is in film and TV. So, you know, that is unprecedented. And that's, that's not, that's quite different from a crash scenario and a recession because it stopped dead in the water overnight from nowhere. Yeah. And I suppose the other thing around the economic stimulus is the the freelance community are really important to the economy because they give you that diversification, right? And allow to sprinkle these more specialist skills across, you know, a much wider range of businesses. It helps people yeah. to grow. It helps businesses develop. At the other end of the freelance scale, you've got people who are maybe classed as lower skilled um, and on lower hourly rates, but it's in the government's interest to keep paying those people too, because those people tend to spend a much higher proportion of their money. So in terms of how that then stimulates the economy, right? Like money in, money out. Like it's the game is more about how many times that pound gets spent rather than how much the pound costs if 
you know, which is why the whole like this sort of uh, kitchen household analogy around government spending just doesn't work at all, right? Like the whole thing of like, we've got to live within our means and it's like a, like a housewife ma- managing their family budget and all that sort of quite old fashioned way that you hear people talk about government spending. Like it's kind of meaningless because it's more about, the game is more about how many times the pound gets spent rather than each pound. Yeah. But, but the whole economy has kind of just ground to a halt. Yeah. So you have, you know, it, you know, I, I think about, I often run in my workshops when we start to talk about how much do you need to live on and how much do you like really need to spend? This isn't like how much could you live on, but how much does it, do you spend to live the life that you want to lead? So, you know, I'll say, well, actually I go, you know, I like going out for a coffee and I'll, you know, I might spend three quid a day on a, on a hipster coffee that and that's before i buy a bit of sushi or something for lunch for a snack when i'm at so i'm probably spending somewhere between 15 and 30 pounds a week on incidental bits to just keep me going whilst i'm out at meetings and doing stuff like that so that's somewhere in the region of 1500 quid a year that's instantly gone i cannot spend that now so who else is doing that all of those things. So all of that spending has just ground to a halt. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really scary when you start just, just thinking of all those shops, all those, you know, all those different parts of the economy. And we're such a service-based economy in the UK as well. Right. That like, yeah, that is, it's quite scary stuff. Um, let's talk about some questions. So talks about money there. Yes. Uh, so I just, I put a thing out just asking people, um, what they would like to ask you. Um, money is obviously just at the heart of all of this. If you're, I mean, if you're employed and of course, if you're, you're freelance, um, what are your thoughts on how to stay centered in all of this when you feel like there's no money and you're going bankrupt and it's all falling apart. Like how, how do you stay centered? How do you stay logical? Um, yeah. Like any thoughts and help for people there? Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of the way I'm trying to think about things is to understand what are the core skills that I have. And I think when I look at what's going on in the world around me, I've kind of divided um, categories of industry in terms of what they're doing at the moment. So you've got industries that are basically in hibernation. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your film and TV, your cafes, your hospitality, your leisure. They're in hibernation. So if you generally have customers that you deploy your skills in in that area, that's not going to happen at the moment. So that's a really scary time for those people who are absolute specialists in that area. You've then got businesses that are trying to be business as usual in these difficult circumstances. Um, And then you've got other sectors which are, for want of a better expression, busy as fuck, you know, and that's your NHS type, you know, and it's it's Mm. your supermarkets and all of that. So then you start to think, well, actually... Okay, so if I look at the skills that I have in what I do, and you have to now start to look at, okay, so which sector do I usually deploy my skills in? Is it hibernation, business as usual, or busy as fuck? So if it's hibernation, then you really need to start thinking about, okay, what are my hard skills? What are my soft skills? And what other skills do I have? What, What is the package that I can offer? And how can I look at how to deploy them in a completely new sector now if you look at those sectors that are completely and utterly busy 
they are going to need extra people in all mm. sorts of different ways. Yeah. And yes, we've heard the supermarkets, they need people stacking shelves, this, that, and the other. But I think it goes a lot beyond that. When I look at you know, a, a microcosm, if you take the film and TV world, because I know it well, you could say, well, actually, film and TV has some really highly skilled people. What are they good at? Well, like the set dressers and the set builders, they're really good at knocking up a set and making something look like a house, a home, a kitchen, a hospital, whatever it needs to be, really quickly and really simply in a really meta-structured uh, way where they respond to what somebody needs. So actually, if the NHS is really, really busy and they haven't got enough beds and they need to bring on some temporary spaces to work as hospitals, couldn't you bring in all of those film and TV people whose job it is to transform spaces overnight really quickly. Yes, of course, there's health and safety hygiene protocols that need to be maintained, but actually you've got an army of people that are highly skilled, can do that, can work to a deadline. So that's the sort of thinking that I'm encouraging people to do. Okay, where could your skills be deployed and at the level that you usually work at rather than going, okay, um, I'm the only thing I can do now is stack shelves or something and you know I'm going to be on minimum wage or whatever, when you're used to being highly skilled, think about a much more um, tangential deployment, if you like, of your skills and really think broadly about where people might need them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's, think so it's thinking like really laterally about your yeah. skills rather than necessarily a sort of pivot into supermarket shelf stacking like think thinking really laterally about how can i take this thing that i'm i'm only and i suppose the difficult thing about that is that for a lot of people they're only used to or comfortable in like their worlds yeah. whether that's like film and tv yeah. or hospitality yeah, or whatever absolutely. and you know or b2b or whatever and then so it's like often about you know yes you've got to understand your skills and how you can help but then you've also got to think about how can i learn or reorientate myself into a completely new you know workplace new sector new environment really as well that that's obviously a a tricky change to manage as well oh oh god i'm not i'm not by any stretch thinking it's easy but rather than sitting here just going i will not work for 6 months when i'm highly skilled who actually will see value in the core essence of the skills that I deliver? And how can I find people who care about them? So I spend a lot of time in the book talking about why people should want, why me? Why will people hire me? What can I do? And that's where, as a freelancer, you have to try and work out what your skills are and then explain it in terms of why those customers should want you. So that's, well, Actually, what I do for a living is I build sets, which means I'm really good at doing things quickly. Simply, I've got a whole team of people I can bring with me, and we'll just do this and we'll follow your instructions. You tell us how we need to do health and safety. We'll do it. We're used to rules and regulations on set and da da da. Yeah. So we can do that. So then it becomes well, who's in your network who can help you? to broker that conversation. But you've got to start by being able to frame the conversation in a way that a, your new potential customer might understand it. So that's why you can add value. So, you know, locally on the ground in Birmingham, that would be sort of, you know, trying to work out how you can get a, get a team of people together that could say, actually, um, Birmingham NHS primary care trust, whichever one it is, you know, this is what we could do to help. Here's a team of people. We could do this. How can we help? And that kind of thing. So you're looking for 
ways to leverage in through your networks um, and solve problems that are going on. And I think people at this, you know, it, it really is a wartime mentality and people want to help. So lots of people at the moment, well, it's all the volunteering. We talked about that earlier, you know, what is going on? How can you help? Well, yes, you can help someone with their groceries, but actually you could also help provide the space for the hospital beds and that's a really important part of volunteering and actually that that might pay your bills as well for the next few months so so i think there's different ways to slice and dice it but it is really looking at and trying to get your head around how the landscape has changed so suddenly and where you can add value and i'm not talking about the sort of very, I'm, I'm talking about doing that with integrity because it's about building long term, building relationships and supporting people. I'm not talking about, oh, I've got a job load of hand sanitizer, I'm going to sell it for 20 quid a pop kind of thing. You know, yeah. this is about doing using what you can do in a way that is helping the cause but keeping your head above water. And I think that that's that's how I'm encouraging people to think at the moment, yeah. And it's all about you know, adding value, isn't it? So buying hand sanitizer and selling it on, on Amazon for 20 quid, like you're not adding any value. You just know that there is money to be made. Whereas seeing, you know, a gap in provision on your local street and being the one who sets up the WhatsApp groups and, you know, rallies local people around, you know, what needs to happen. It's like, there's a huge societal value in that. There might actually be no financial value in it right now but like thinking actually about value and how can i how can i spot opportunities and sort of gaps in provision that i can help with rather than rather than kind of thinking about it cynically i think is like i I think ultimately they also those people who are doing stuff like that really cynically and selling on toilet rolls and all that sort of thing um it's such a it's such a sort of short-term game isn't it because you know, no one's going to look on that favorably, are they? Like, uh, that's where my mindset comes from. Is like freelancing is all about the long term yeah, value of the customer. Yeah. It's all about um, building up those relationships. So I take that into my approach, which is, you know, just don't take the piss. Just be that nice person to work with. Solve people's problems. Don't peddle products from a suitcase. Just, just make it easy for people to want to work with you. And that's where you start thinking that's where you have to explain how you can add value to your customer. What does your customer need? What are they thinking about? How do you help them? Yeah. And I think the other thing that will help is if we do get this announcement this week about freelancers and, you know, I, like I, I really, I'm starting to think that something like that is coming, you know, because of this, I think we, there is a real safety in numbers here. And so if anyone is watching this or listening to this and thinking, Oh my God, like financially I'm, fucked right then i do think because this is not your fault and because this is happening to everyone then it feels to me like there there is just so many incentives that the government has to to prop this up and 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 keep everybody going but don't you think that once we get that announcement like there's probably loads of people listening to this watching this who just don't feel a sense of financial security but if you put that in place and people suddenly feel a bit more secure financially, I think that opens people up to think a little bit less about being in survival mode and then think a little bit more openly or actively outside of their sort of personal realm in terms of what else is needed, right? Yeah, 
Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, you know, I'm probably ahead of the curve because I've spent a lot more time thinking about it. But I'm hoping that people will get to that point where, you know, as you say, the, 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 they can relax. Their, their safety net is in place. So then, actually, you're in a headspace where you can go, okay, so how can I help? What can I do? What, you know, and and that that hopefully will just start to, uh, well, it will sort of slow everything down even further because people won't be panicking trying to go out and keep earning a living. They can just go. Actually, I can just go into lockdown. Um, do you have any tips on just the real practicalities of of um, of where to look for for that support? So, like, are there particular government websites that are more helpful, or it, where's the best place to just keep track of for for this kind of help and support that might be coming? So, um, government websites obviously a really good place to start. HMRC, you know, if you put in coronavirus um, financial relief, that will pull up a load of stuff. Um, you've got people like Ipsy, um, which is the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed, um, who I do a lot of work with, and they're they're doing a huge amount of lobbying. People in creative industries, Caroline Norbury at Creative Industries Federation has been brilliant. You know, they've got together with Ipsy and they put a whole petition in. Lots and lots of people have signed up for that. So, um, you know, I I think it will be widely announced because there has been a lot a lot of questions asked but you know certainly those would be my kind of go-to places and, and you know your basic news channels and that kind of thing as well so yeah and one of the other questions i got was um from ellie saying she does some work that's paye work yeah for a couple of days of her week and then the rest of her income is freelance self-employed income so if you if when announcements get made, if you still feel like you're falling between two stools and it's like you're not quite secure or employed enough to get uh, help from yeah. your employer, but also you're not quite self-employed enough yeah. or whatever, like where do they go to sort of express that? Because I think part of this is also about the government not knowing all of those. Like I think you said before, like you know, freelancers and and you know, small business owners. Like we're a tricky bunch because we're all so sort of different. Where do people go to sort of express their sort of uniqueness if they are falling between two stools? Like what can they do practically around that? So I'll caveat this by saying I am not an accountant <laughs> nor a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is not any sort of financial advice. But you know. If they're going to measure anything on the self-employed, it's going to be based on tax returns that you have submitted. Yeah. Now, when you submit your tax return, if you've had PAYE income for the year, you declare that as part of it. So, you know, I think you're either self-employed or you're employed. So, if you've been like your 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 uh, Ellie said, if she's actually submitting that tax return, then that will be. You know, she will count as a registered self-employed person, in my un- unqualified opinion. Do you see what I mean? And now that's all in real time as well, right? Like, like my accountants deal with all that, and I I spend as little time as it on it as possible. But I know they've kind of moved it more so that it's real time reporting. You know, like certainly our VAT bills and all that stuff. It's like much more in the moment rather than being like a year or eighteen months sort of behind. So making tax digitals in for that registered businesses, but it's not for the self employed. Oh, is it not? Okay. No, you've got the payments on account which they've deferred. Right. So you're not going to have to pay. Um, when, when you're self-employed rather than running a business, you pay 
part of your you pay the money that you've been getting in in this financial year as payments on account. So I would pay in July the second half of what I anticipate were my um, tax liability for the financial year that's just closing at the moment. That's what I would be paying in July. And then in January, when I've submitted my tax return, that's netted off against what the actual figure is. So it's just balanced out. So if I've got a bit more, then I pay a little bit more. If I've done a bit less, then I get a bit less off sort of thing. But you're kind of paying your taxes. You've effectively in July should have paid your taxes for the financial year that's just closing in April. So what they've done is they've deferred that, but that's just a cash flow thing. But hopefully that will allow people to cash flow until the support comes in it is just a cash flow thing but it's also i mean that's you know it's a it's a useful starting point isn't it knowing that you don't have that bill i i I end up doing both right we have well all of them corporation tax uh once a year vat every quarter and i'm doing payments on account and personal tax return stuff as well right so yeah any of those that you can just defer and i think i spoke to someone else who's a business owner saying well we're just not paying our vat bill uh, this month. So we just know that in the next few weeks, they're going to start saying, you know, set up payment plans, pay us when you like sort of thing. So well, think- they've already deferred the VAT return. They've already deferred the VAT, the VAT payment as well. Yeah. This was like uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was saying that, oh, like, okay. but, but I think, but he, I think he just knew that that stuff was coming. And I think it's probably worth knowing that more will come as well. So if you've got anything that you're about to pay, to the tax man, probably hold on to it for, you know, and, and yeah, I think there's, a, there's absolutely. even like a phone line where you can phone them and say, don't find me, but I'm not paying you. And then you can just yeah. register so, that basically. So I've done it um, on my website. I've got a digital download, which I did with Ipsy and coconut. Um, and that is all about the traditional mechanics of being a freelancer, but there's lots of useful links on there about, okay. you know, you, you know, you can log on to your HMRC account and just reduce your payments on account straight away anyway if your income's fallen off a cliff. But also what you can do is you can agree a payment plan with them to pay any tax owed and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, if you're self-employed and you're really struggling, then come January, you can start looking at, okay, we've come out of this, but I'm still absolutely crucified by it and I can't afford to pay the tax that I was planning. So, you know, that's when you can have that conversation to go, actually, can I work out a monthly plan that I can now afford because? So I think there'll be lots of that, those sort of things that people can do and they're going to have to be helpful. But I think you have to find your moment to have that conversation. And it's too early to do that now, but to know that you can make payment plans is going to be helpful and reassuring. So you're not just going to have to find that lump in January that you've now spent because of it. So Yeah. And I think usually most people look at the inland revenue, HMRC, you know, they're even just saying those words kind of fills people with a little bit of sort of dread and it's like the headmaster or headmistress at school or something. Right. And I think we have to just reframe that right now to say, you know, when we say everyone's in this together, that includes HMRC. Right. So I I feel like the kind of conversations that we'll be able to have around tax and payments and deferring them and all that are just going to be way more flexible than usual. You're not going to be getting penalty letters and all that usual threatening stuff that um, 
comes your way if you're you know close to deadlines and all that sort of thing so yeah i think that's maybe a reassuring thing that like down the track that's probably going to be an easier conversation to have than it would have been. Yeah. But I, I think it's like any kind of debt management thing. You need to have those upfront conversations and work out what you can afford to do and how you need to organize it and, and be pro. It, you can't do that now because we're not at that point, but going forwards, don't wait till you're asked, work out and be proactive about it and take it, take charge of, of your finances and know what you can do and what you need to do because that, is much more helpful than when they start chasing you and saying, why haven't I had this? Yeah. Um, do you think, what do you think about the idea of, cause there's going to be lots of other stuff that the government needs, right? So they're going to need uh, more, you know, kind of low skilled support workers into the NHS, probably, you know, fairly quickly. Um, there's the talk of the land worker force as well for like, you know, fruit picking and, uh, you know, and, and sort of food production and all that sort of thing. So there's going to be lots more, um, you know, let's say kind of government jobs and stuff coming up. Do you think, are they thinking about how people who are currently self-employed can pivot into some of those things or like, are you get, are you hearing any noises about sort of potential sort of nationalization of, of freelancers? That sounds like an awful sort of, uh, <laughs> sort of communist phrase or something. Do you know what I mean? But like in the same way that, you know, I mean, the best way to keep people financially secure is to pay them to do something else that's useful, right? Um, are you, like, is it more just about the financial relief or are they thinking about how to utilize that army of, of interesting and useful people? I think you've got to look at that in a geographic way because if we're on lockdown and I can't really go more than about 10 minutes from my house, right? you know what I mean? I can't, I'm in Birmingham. There isn't a huge amount of fruit picking that I could do <laughs> round but there's, here. There's hospitals so you're there, looking right? at, yeah. you're looking at what have you got, what resources have you got within a certain radius and how do you deploy those? So, um, you know, I think freelancers are quite a mobile workforce, maybe more so than traditional employees. So it is going to be about what you can do to help locally and how you build yeah. on that. So it's a slightly different conversation because actually in the fruit picking areas, you're just going to have to mobilize anybody who's healthy and has got time yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, and whilst there might be a whole load of people in Birmingham who are self-employed who don't have anything to do at the moment, you can't really send them over to East Anglia to pick fruit because then if they're carrying it, they're taking that over yeah, there and yeah, vice yeah. versa. So, yeah. so you've got to look at something on a really local area level and work out what are the skills, what are the skills shortages in the three or five mile radius of where I am in Birmingham and how can I do that? And I think that's where those local support networks start to come out as you start to feel that pain. Alternatively, they may designate certain type of work, other key work, if there is a specific thing to do and say, right, you're all coming over to here and you're staying in a dormitory or whatever, and you're just doing that if that's what you want to do. So I, it's difficult to know, but you've got to work within the needs and the constraints of where we're at at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, Alex asked a question, which is, um, how do you how do you see this current situation uh, in terms of how it might change the government's relationship with the self employed and freelance community? Like, do you, do you feel like we'll come out of this with a different relationship 
between freelancers and the economy or how freelancers are viewed or the status of freelancers? What, what, what do you see as perhaps positively and negatively, uh, you know, changes that might come as a result from this? I think assuming that the measures, the support measures come in that we've talked about, I think that, I think that's a real step change of government understanding the value of the freelance and self-employed economy and what we do and how we do it. And it's a real acknowledgement that we exist and we need specific support that isn't related to businesses and isn't related to employees. So to have us on the map as the third way, if you like, (laughs) you know, it is, I think that's, that's a really important step change. And, um, it certainly, um, you know, in my small microcosm of why I wrote the Freelance Bible, a lot of it came out of, I did a big uh, research project with a university up here, and I was talking to the various different art designer media schools um, within the faculty about what they were doing for employability for their students. Uh, you know, I did the report, that was all great. and But I reflected back as I came out of those conversations that the university knew what to do with students that wanted to get a job. And they knew what to do with students that wanted to be entrepreneurs and start their own businesses. They had a department that dealt with entrepreneurs. They had a career service. But actually, when I looked at art design and media, and I knew, and I see that 47% of them are going to be freelancers, I'm like, so what's the provision? And I came away going, well, the only people they're left to talk to are the academics who, by default, are actually sitting in salaried positions and probably yeah. have chosen to do that because they don't want to be freelance a lot of the time. So. So in that microcosm of world, you've already got this idea that employee, being an employee counts, being a, an entrepreneur counts, but being a freelancer isn't valued. There's no need for knowledge. So that's, that's a small, that, that's why I came out with the book, because there wasn't that literature and I felt I could add to it. But I think that's replicated on the great, grander scale, which is that already government has shown that they support employees and they support businesses. But now... We're really putting that freelancing self-employed on that map as something that should be considered. So I think that in the grand scheme of things, it has the potential to be a big win for the sector. Yeah. And it feels like as well, you know, this isn't happening in isolation to the rest of the world. Like we've been moving a bit more towards a more flexible workforce you know, automation is coming, like lots of other things down the track yeah. have an effect on this. But, you know, do, do, you, do you sense that we'll come out of this with a, a greater proportion of the workforce working in this kind of way, you know, working from home, working freelance, working flexibly? Um, do you think this is going to be like a net benefit for, for freelancing in the economy in five years time? Or do you think we'll look back and say it was like the death of freelancing? Do you know what I mean? I I don't think there'll ever be the death of a need for highly skilled people or people that can add short-term capacity, which is what freelancers do. I think you were asking two questions there for me is, you know, what's the future of freelancing, which is one thing, but actually what's the future of work? And that's a really interesting question because I Mm. think that will not come through unchanged. It's not, you know, the day the lockdown finishes and we're all allowed, people are all allowed back to their desks in their office. I think you're going to get a bit of a revolt going Actually, I quite like doing this thing from home one or two or three so? days a week. Yeah. Or, yeah, I think because, you know, you must sit in your work. I have work that I do that's very operational, quick fire. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a film. I'm producing that. That's really quick fire. I need to speak to this person. I need to email that person. Oh, that's changed quick. Da, da, da. Who do I need to tell? 
lots and lots of operational type work. But then when I'm writing a book or doing a report or doing some research, that's really kind of I need quiet time. I need thinking I turn off the email. I just focus on that. And and that's quite a hard space often to get your head into because your, your, your brain's going, yeah, did I sort out the swimming for the kids this mm. evening? And what's for supper? And where's yeah. the laundry? And, yeah. oh, do I need to tell that person? So it takes you a while to get into that deep thinking space to allow you to do that kind of work. So what you find when people work from home, um, not so much in the time of coronavirus because there's more people around, but generally it's easier to do that deep work. And I think that's where productivity increases for businesses, when people can get into that space and do that work that they mean to do and not be interrupted just you know you can sometimes find yourself sitting at a desk in an office just waiting to react to things because you just can't get into that deeper headspace to do the more complicated work that you have to do so i think that will i I kind of think that that will be a change in that workers and um businesses will be looking at actually that some of those bits work really well how do we embrace some of that because actually people will have gone do you know what's quite nice because actually I don't have to do all my laundry on a Saturday plus the <laughs> shop, plus this, plus that. I've actually had some times when I've prepped my evening meal during the day whilst I've gone to make a cup of tea and I've chopped some vegetables and I've got things ready. So actually, I've had a really nice time making the dinner for the family because I haven't rushed in from work at six o'clock, gone, what's in the fridge? Oh, my God. Bash, bash, bash. Chuck it on the table. Actually, you found other spaces in your day to do some of that. And I think people will be resistant to go back to the other way completely. But I don't think it will stay as completely homeworking. I hope you're right. Like, I think that, I mean, there's a, like, you're totally right that there's a, there's a productivity benefit to deep work and deep focus. And I think people generally find that hard particularly in open plan offices and easier at home like that's all true and actually i think for me personally because i've worked mainly i'm either working from home or i'm in total extrovert mode doing a talk at a client which then takes me like a day to recover from right so and then i'm back at home recovering from so i'm really used to working like this and i and i deeply believe that it makes people more productive. But I also think that a lot of people seem to be really struggling with the social aspect of this change and actually will be pining for their desks and desperate to get back into open plan offices, not necessarily from a productivity point of view, but just from a kind of human social creature. But I think point that's view, where you know? it's a balance. Yeah. I think that's where it's a balance. I don't what where we're at at the moment is that it's just been a really hard, right, you've got to do that, end of. And and people are trying to replicate the office yeah. at home and do everything that they would do in the same way and communicate with people. And and it's kind of crazy. Um, um, the, I, you know, the Slack groups are pigging and the WhatsApps and the this, and actually it's it's really, really noisy. And, and you need to kind of go through that and reflect on it and revise how your comms are working so that you can get it to a place where it's working for everybody. But equally, I think there will be parts where people go, actually, I could do that bit of my work really nicely at home in a much better way than I could do. So I think that's where when you come back, you kind of take some time to go, well, actually, what worked well? What didn't work so well? How do we find that balance? And actually, for some people, that might be, 
actually, I just need a couple of days from home for a week just to allow me to do some of those bits that I can prioritize and leave those. So I don't think, oh my God, I've got to do that. I know that on Wednesday, I'll be at home and I can do that big thing that I need to do that I need to sit down quietly to do. But other times I've got the social and for other people, it will be, you've just given me this to do. Would you mind if I just did that tomorrow morning yeah, from home yeah. and then I'll be in at lunchtime yeah. because that will give me the headspace. And I think people will, I think employees will start asking for that because they'll go, you know, actually that bit worked well. Yeah. And so I do, I do think there will be those changes. I agree with you that there will be that absolutely social need, but I think there will be some give and take and much more flexibility allowed because it it has worked so no manager can say what doesn't work yeah what i hope will also happen is that people stop during this time uh merely trying to replicate the office as you were saying because i think you know actually that's the wrong question to ask the question to ask is how do i make this space as productive and as satisfying as it as it can be and office is a suboptimal anyway so starting from how do i define this to be able to have the best the best possible conditions for uh you know deep focus and and you know and productivity i think is a much more interesting question than um how do i make it feel like i'm still still in an office do you know what i mean no the office is about control it's like who's there who's doing what how how do i you're you're measuring the wrong outputs with an office because you're measuring how long somebody's sitting at their desk yeah and i think i think what's happening at the moment is a lot of digital presenteeism as well so people are mm. uh, trying to visibly answer emails quickly or visibly be available and online on their ims and all that because it's like that's what you do when you're in an office you you you're seen and it's like actually that's again the wrong question to ask uh, we need to wrap up in a couple of minutes and um yeah sure i'm conscious that one thing we didn't really talk about is the people who are not self-employed or freelance right now yeah. and they may have just had their job put on hiatus or they might have lost their job and they're thinking, maybe I don't want to go back to being uh, full-time employed and maybe be part-time employed and partly freelance or totally freelance or whatever. So there's a lot of that's up in the air for people. Yeah. Um, have you got any thoughts on how they should approach that? You know, And maybe often the thing there is that you've got people who are, maybe approaching that with like, you know, a bit more savings in the bank than the average freelancer. And you know, you might have some of that going on as well, where people have the time to be able to experiment and, um, and sort of everything's been thrown up in the air. Where do they want it all to land? Um, yeah. What, what do you think about that sort of position and kind of people? So, you know, where, when you're freelancing um, and a lot of the, the messages that I, that I really try and get people to think about is, is, is a freelancer doesn't just work in their business doing their highly skilled, whatever whatever they do. They have to work on their business and work out like what, what you know, you've got to pay your tax bill, you've got to pay your expenses, you've got to invoice, you've got to collect the money, you've got to do your marketing, you've got to do your sales, you've got to do all of that. But equally, you, you're running your own sort of micro business. So I'll talk about, you know, the different hats you wear and the different plates you have to spin. So the plates that you spin are all the different projects that you're working on. But at yeah. this stage, when when things are very different, where things uh, you want to make a change and you're trying to work it out, you kind of need to put your CEO's hat on and go, well, where do you want to get to? What what direction do you want to take? What what do you want to be doing? Where can you add value? What 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 skills do you think you bring to the um, to to the marketplace, and 
you've got to try and project past the current climate and go, well, where do we think the economy is going to be? Where do I think the sector that I want to work in, my type of customers, what, what, where are they going to be when we come outside of this? You know, and you're probably looking at least three months, if not six months. You know, I'd be in my head, I'm thinking, well, what's gonna, what's the world going to be like in September? Yeah, I'm thinking a lot about September at the moment because it feels like mm. for a lot of people who are freelance or business owners or whatever and you know m- most of my work's b2b you tend to get a slowdown through the summer holidays anyway july august and whatever and i and september's always a busy period for me so i'm i'm i don't know if i'm optimistic or pessimistic in this who knows but right now i'm thinking a lot about okay what would september and october and november sort of look like yeah yeah so so it's starting to think about well what how how can I build a brand me? What is what do I want to do? Why will customers buy me? And why will they buy me in September? And what can I offer? So, you know, it's a great time to be introspective and think about what you can do. You know, I'm talking to people who are, you know, a lot of creatives. So I'm like, well, create some IP. If there's a customer, I was talking to a guy the other day and he was like, well, I've got these dream customers that I want to do animation for. So I'm like, well, if you're quiet and you know who you want to go for, then work out how you can build a little showreel that says, look, I can work at the level that you want to work at. And, you know, so it's a great time for creation, new ideas, repurposing and really the trying to cut out that noise and really focus on what what could I do? Where do I want to get to? How do I build my brand? And that that's all through like what skills do I have? Who are the potential customers? How do I find them? And how do I start to explain that in that same sense of why somebody would want to buy me? Why do they want to buy my services? What do I do? And 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 so it's a great time to really sort of regroup and think about that. And you know, if you've got a side hustle, it's a great time to go, actually, what would that mean? What value will that have? How do I take that forward? Yeah. And you've got a lovely bit uh, towards the end of the book that talks about what are the different roles that you need to play with your own business. And even playing those roles when it's just you, it's like there are times where you need to be the CEO driving it forward. There's times where you need to be the chief operations officer. There's times where you need to be doing the marketing and sales. And there's times where you need to be the, the FD, the financial head. And like, you know, maybe if you're coming out of always being employed and thinking about freelance, it might be worth just reflecting on those four job roles, CEO, COO, marketing and sales and FD and thinking like, which one of those comes really naturally to me? Is there one that really doesn't come naturally to me that where I need to get some support or help or, you know, start to plug that gap? Because I think for me, the successful businesses and the successful freelancers start when someone is able to have all four of those those roles kind of in their head and think, you know, thinking, thinking the way that you've got an FD on one shoulder and a marketing director on the other shoulder and, you know, almost have almost like a virtual uh, top management team in your head at all times. Yeah. And it's also about identifying the solution that you're providing. So if you can identify a solution that businesses need and you can talk about it in their terms. So a really, a really powerful example is, there were some young girls who I mentored some years ago who wanted to run video workshops in schools. And, and they got lots of meetings in schools and the school says, oh, yeah, we'd love video workshops. But funnily enough, we don't have a budget line that says video workshops. So, And they were getting really frustrated with this. 
Um, so we were chatting in the workshop. So, so you want to make these video workshops and you want to do them in schools. And they're like, yeah, and the schools just don't get it. They're not biased. Like, well, what don't they get? Well, when, when you run video workshops in schools, what are the children doing? Well, they're doing research, which aids their literacy. They're writing scripts. Again, literacy. They're doing presentations. They're presenting to cameras. So they're confidence, more literacy. So I said, well, so you're not selling actually video workshops to school. What you're selling is enhanced literacy to schools. It just so happens that you do it through the mode of video workshops. But actually, you're in the business of selling literacy workshops to schools. So if you're selling literacy, then go onto the internet and look up on Ofsted and see which of the schools in your area have low scores for literacy and then go and knock on the door and say, hey, we're here and we've got a magic solution that says we can help enhance the literacy in your schools. Fantastic. I've got a budget for enhanced literacy in my school. Where do I sign? What do you do? Oh, we do video workshops. That sounds really engaging. So it's thinking like that. So you're not talking about what do I do, but you're talking about the solution. And that can be very, very different depending on your customers. What do your customers care about? Why are they going to care? What is it? Are you selling a service that allows that customer to retain their staff for longer? That was a conversation we were having the other day. If we do this type of specific training that's industry focused, that means that these companies will have better retention of employees because they'll be more engaged. How much does that save them? Well, there's less recruitment, there's less churn, there's less time taken out. So that has a value to their bottom line. So you're selling on the benefits that you're delivering to that customer. For sure. So it's all about what's in it for them, not what's in it for me, right? That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. We probably need to wrap up. Um, we mentioned a couple of resources there that really helped. Um, you were talking about, uh, was it the IPSA? Ipsy. Uh, Ipsy. Uh, Ipsy. Yeah. So where do people go? Where do people go for just some of those resources? You also mentioned something from your website and then I've got something to chuck in as well. So let's just give people links at the end and we'll put these in the show notes on Beyond Busy as well. So my website is alisongrade.com. Ipsy is the Association for the e- Independent Professional professionals and the self-employed which i believe is ipsy.co.uk coconut is a bank and financial services organization for freelancers which is getcoconut.com and they do your tax return for you all in that app it's amazing cool Uh, i need that (laughs) (laughs) um so so yeah creative industries federation just google them because i can't remember their website i'm really sorry okay the freelance Bible. Yes, Bye. freelance Bible. Um, and yeah, so if people are interested in, um, uh, you know, career pivots and what to do next and stuff, um, yeah, I really recommend Alison's book. Um, thinkproductive.com forward slash WFH. We've put our little resources together there around working from home, um, including the PDFs of workshops that we're offering into companies around remote working, working from home. But there's a whole load of free resources. And one of the things I was going to mention is you were talking about that thing about the different channels, Slack and WhatsApp and getting clear around that. So there's also uh, Think Productive's very own uh, communications manifesto on there of like, here's how we use each channel, which a lot of people are asking me about at the moment. I think it's one of those things that as more teams go completely remote, you know, we just need to be thinking about um, what are the rules with that stuff and the boundaries yeah. around that stuff. So um, yeah. that's Think Productive's um, version of that is literally just on there as a free resource. You can copy it, take inspiration from it, adapt it, whatever you need to do. 
uh, thinkproductive.com forward slash WFH. Um, and we'll put all of those links in the show notes. Sorry, Mark, my producer, who's going to have to go through those. But like, <laughs> we'll put all those in the show notes, which is getbeyondbusy.com. So if you want to just go there and um, you know springboard your links into uh, all those different places, uh, then do that. I'm really hoping, coming back to where we started this conversation, that by the time this goes out, um, there will be announcements from government around some of the financial uh, questions that we've talked about. So I guess we keep our fingers crossed there and, um, uh, and we'll both Alison and I will, you know, keep putting stuff out that we think is useful over the, the coming weeks. And um, uh, can you thank your partner, Alison as well? Cause obviously you've uh, uh, <laughs> like had the help to be able to join us on beyond busy uh, with childcare. So uh, please pass on our thanks and, and uh, maybe we all just need to be, uh, mindful of that and, and just passing on those thanks over the coming weeks as well. Yeah. Seems like a big... Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Um, Lovely to chat to you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. Thanks for being on the show. So just as an extra thing on the end of this episode, I'm here with a name that you'll probably be familiar with if you're a regular uh, listener to Beyond Busy on the podcast stream. Uh, Mark Steadman, who is my producer on the show. How are you doing, Mark? I'm, I'm so nervous. I've never been a guest before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> so Mark is probably the most prolific listener to Beyond Busy in that you've heard every episode at least once, right? I would hope Which so. Even I haven't done and definitely even my mum hasn't done. So you're <laughs> the most prolific listener. Um, so let's just start with, um, obviously, you're a freelancer yourself. What's your current state of play and state of mind? And um, yeah, like, how are you feeling about this whole thing? It's uncertain. And I'm, I'm in a, um, an interesting position because I've sort of got two hats. I've got the freelance production hat, um, but I've also got the person who runs a product, um, you know, what, what we sometimes call a SaaS business, software as a service. Um, and so there are sort of two income streams that are kind of, going to both be affected by um by what's happening at the moment because too many people um especially hobbyists the podcast um hosting fee is something of a luxury um and if people are feeling at the moment that that's not something that they you know want to um invest in um then that has a knock on um from from that perspective of the business, but I, I'm very grateful to be working with um, some really uh, wonderful clients um, in terms of production. And, and that's showing no signs of, of slowing down, uh, which is which is fantastic. Um, because I think we are at a stage where people want to connect and um, want to reach out in ways that they, they haven't necessarily been able to before. Yeah, I had someone who I send some freelance work to um, today texting me saying, I'm so grateful that you're still sending me work through this time. And yeah, I must admit, I've been so focused on how to save my own business. And I don't even know if we're, you know, fully there with that, but at the same time, I hadn't quite realized, I guess I'd realized the effect on, on, you know, obviously other people that I've worked with, but just to sort of have it, um, sent us a message kind of saying, thank you made me think, Oh my God, like this is, people are really freaking. Um, cause I just thought we'd carry on doing that work. And it's kind of why I then said it to you when we were talking on WhatsApp earlier, I was like, listen, I'm still going to be doing podcasts. So like, I think that's one of those things, isn't it? Um, if you work with freelancers, it's maybe worth just 
if you can give people certainty, just giving them it. Don't, um, don't take that for granted that they expect the work to be coming in and just, just reiterate, Hey, I want to keep working with you through this and working with you after this. And, and that doesn't change kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, I'm, uh, particularly fortunate in that um, one of the the large projects that I'm worked uh, that I'm working on is already budgeted uh, and and funded um, thanks to uh, thanks to the Arts Council um, yeah. and so that helps uh, a great deal and and the fact that the the client I'm working with is not sort of sitting on that they're actually saying no no you know this is this is work um, for for many of us, it is business as usual, but I think there is also a degree of uncertainty and there's possibly also a degree of, because of that uncertainty, people are just slowing down and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like the UK is going through a three week long snow day yeah. <laughs> where it's all just like, wow, we're yeah. all bringing games into work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and I guess there might be lots of people sat there thinking I've had a pipe dream idea for a podcast for a period of time. Uh, I know that you can help them because you've helped me with mine. And also you've, uh, helped some other people who've asked me the same question. I've put them in touch with you as well. So, um, just tell us about Podient because people are probably, if they're regular listeners, listeners to be on busy, you've probably heard the name Podient at the end of, um, most of my episodes. I kind of give you a little plug, but, uh, give the bigger plug and like, what is Podient? What do you do? Uh, yeah, just give us that. So the, business is 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 two things so it's it's keeping people's podcasts online and what that really means is um so for the vast majority of people they will upload an audio file um and then that gets distributed to all the places that you would hope uh, to find podcasts be it apple um podcasts spotify google um and in in that way um we we have a a, a sort of a a system that that people can really easily build their podcast and their website for their podcast as well. Um, so uh, Beyond Busy is all hosted through Podiant, including the website. Um, and so everything runs through there. And, and anybody can, can sign up for that and, um, and, uh, and rates rate, uh, are reasonable. Um, but in terms of production um, with uh, clients uh, like Graham and, and many that Graham's put me in touch with, um, I help shape uh, the podcast. So in, in most circumstances, that means you have a chat with someone, uh, about the, the topic you want to discuss. You have a couple of audio files at the end of it, you send them to me and what comes out is a finished, uh, production that's mastered, uh, that sounds as good as it can do. It sounds nice and crisp. Um, and, um, and then goes out to all the places, uh, that you would, uh, that you'd want it without having to, to really do much. So you, you focus as the creator on making that content. Um, and that's something that I, I really enjoy doing. I love editing. Um, and I get to, it's, it's wonderful because I get to hear fascinating conversations every week um, with, with all sorts of people. Yeah. And you, you make mine sound good even when the equipment fails and <laughs> the internet goes down and the microphone's got a weird buzzy noise in it. And it'll kind of, all, we've, we've had basically everything over the last uh, few years, but it always manages to come up smelling of roses somehow. <laughs> We're in our, um, this is, yeah, four, four years of doing Beyond Busy. Is that right? Um, yeah. I, do, I didn't uh, know that March. Yeah. It doesn't feel that long, but yeah. No. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I'm doing at the moment is because we're in an opportunity now where people can really reach out and people are finding, 
finding out about like how much can be done from home and how much can be done remotely. Yeah, there are there are ways that people can can get in touch, um, stay in touch with their customers or their if they're a larger business, stay in touch with their uh, their workforce as well. There's some some really interesting podcasts that where large companies are actually making public podcasts that anyone can download, but they're intended for for their um, their workforce. That's cool. And so. Um, what I'm offering people at the moment, uh, for, if you just want to have a chat, if you're thinking, I'd quite like to start a podcast, but I, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what, like, what I need, um, where I should start. Then uh, I have a little uh, shameless plug in that you can go to um, bit.ly slash podcast at home. Um, and you can get a consultation. Um, sounds posh, but it's just a half an hour chat with me um, and figure out what you want to do. Um, you don't have to use Podient services. You don't have to use my services. Um, but if you want to have a chat and you're thinking, like, what is step one? What do I need to buy? Or what can I use at home? Um, yeah, bit.ly slash podcast at home. Uh, and you can book uh, a slot and, uh, and we'll have a chat. Yeah. So, um, please, if you're interested in podcasting, uh, go and use that. Um, uh, I, I can just thoroughly recommend Mark's work over the last, I had no idea it was four years to be honest, but <laughs> over the last four years. And, um, yeah, I, I also really, uh, enjoy getting the emails back from other people who are now working with Mark saying, Mark's really good and Podium's really good or whatever. So, um, yeah, do, um, uh, go and head off to bit.ly forward slash podcast at home. Is that right? Podcast at home. That's it. Uh, and find out more. And as, as we say, of course, a link is in the show notes. <laughs> the link is in the show notes at getbeyondbusy.com. Uh, so yeah, thanks Mark for being actually on the show as well as all the work that you do behind the scenes. It's an honor. And um, I just thought it'd be a nice way to just uh, recommend you put your name out there a little bit more um, in these uncertain times and uh uh, help help the people that are closest to you and who you've worked closely with. So um, that was the sort of reason for getting you on. So uh, yeah, sure we'll do this again soon, right? We'll get we'll get you on again one day. We should do a whole we should do a whole hour at some point. I did, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, uh, so we'll have you on as a, as an actual guest on Beyond Busy. I can talk about being busy. And also, uh, I'm loving the the meta idea of you then editing yourself and. <laughs> It's going to like, it's going to blow a, f- a fuse up in your brain somewhere or something. <laughs> Could be a fun one. But yeah, thanks Mark for being on Beyond Busy. And uh, thanks again to Alison for uh, being on the previous bit. And uh, we'll see you next week. So thanks to Alison for being on the show. You can find all of those links in the show notes at getbeyondbusy.com. So if you're not subscribed to the podcast, we'd love you to do that. Um, I'm going to be putting out the regular podcasts. I'll probably put out some extra ones as well um, through the next few weeks. And if you haven't heard, then Think Productive have a whole bunch of resources to help you if you're working from home or you're leading a remote team or you're in need of some help with making your virtual meetings better. So just go to thinkproductive.com forward slash WFH and you can find a load of free resources, things to download, as well as uh, the PDF session overviews for our paid sessions if you want to bring us in to help your team. So we're just trying to plug that gap really with um, the help that people need and also the help in sort of replacing the face-to-face workshops that we've lost over the last um, few weeks as well. So, you know, really just trying to respond to uh, where there's some demand and really help people with 
you know stuff that we know we can help with and and bringing our expertise to people so if that's of interest i'd love you to support that and and help us do that thinkproductive.com forward slash wfh i'll be back with a more regular episode uh, next week but for now at least i'm gonna say take care and bye for now 